Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just as surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Roller coasters and your retirement. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Kevin, you're a roller coaster expert. You're known throughout the land as being an expert roller coaster rider, and you pretty much have found most of them all over the place to ride on at some point in time in the in the in the past few years, anyway. And Gary, there's a group of people. There's actually a group that travels around and does that. And I found out that even though I love doing it and ridden a lot of roller coasters, I'm not even like a junior membership. I've not even ridden as many times as many of these people. Oh, well, don't tell anybody that because we all think you're just really just rocking these roller coasters all over the place. We're talking like a thousand times a year. So I'm, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. That kind of crazy number. Well, that might uh, that might uh, have a problem create a problem with your ability to keep your know, your your business going. Your that law would be practice, a problem yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But outside of that it would be a lot of fun, I'm sure. But this is something that when we talk about roller coasters and we talk about roller coasters and your retirement, it's a little bit different story. The roller coaster I'm talking about now is market volatility. And market volatility and retirement are two things that um, they actually occur together a lot, but you don't really want it to happen with your retirement funds and the retirement assets that you have, your investments that you've you've been able to um, accumulate all these years. Roller coaster rides with your retirement assets are not a lot of fun. And the reason they're not is because Markets go up and markets go down. That's just the way they do. And throughout your working career, you accumulated money in your 401k. Hopefully, most people did who have uh, 401ks with their in the workplace have accumulated a lot of money over the years. Have been able to add to their assets considerably just because they saved money. And then they grew money and they grew it in the market. And the market did a lot of good things for them because. The majority of the time, Kevin, markets go up, but when they go down, it's pretty traumatic. And so you're on this roller coaster ride your whole life from day one when you start saving money. Your money is subject to some degree or another with market risk and market volatility. If you're, if you're accumulating money and saving money during your working years, the best place to do it and the best place to accumulate it is with that 401k because you're forcing yourself to contribute money to it and your employer a lot of times rewards you by contributing a percentage as well to that. So this thing can grow exponentially when markets are growing like they're growing and you enjoy this, but you're on this roller coaster ride in your 20s and 30s, you're working, you're, you're accumulating money you're saving money and you're watching things grow, but you know from time to time the markets are going to go backwards. So I'm 30 years old, let's say, or 35 years old. I don't quite remember those days, but I know they're back there somewhere. 30, 35 years old, and the markets crash. Let's say it's back in 2008 or 2001 when markets really didn't do too well. These are a couple of the years we've had over the last 20-some-odd years where things haven't done well. And then recently, we've experienced all this again since COVID and over the past couple of years with 
what we some people might consider a recession. It's that's kind of arguable at this point, but the markets have gone down again. And so you see it up, you see it down. When you're younger, you don't even worry about it. You know, you just okay, well this is fun. This roller coaster ride is a lot of fun. You know, we can go out and do this all day long. Well, as it with with a real roller coaster, uh, the older you get, sometimes you gotta back off of those things a little bit. Things can hurt a little more. You can tweak things more when you're older. And so it takes a little longer to get over that roller coaster ride. Well, what we don't want you to have happen, what we don't want to experience is your savings during your retirement years still experiencing these really severe ups and downs that you can experience throughout your lifetime. But now, because you're retired, it becomes more important that you're watching the amount of time you spend on that financial roller coaster. We're talking with Gary Anderson of Anderson Advisors today on Truth and Planning, and Gary is the co-host with me. And we're talking about the financial roller coaster, the up and down of uh, the markets, up and down of the economy, and things that can happen. And we know that there are times when the roller coaster goes up, but we also know the law uh, of gravity tells us that what goes up must come down. And, uh, and by the way, during the break, I was doing a little bit of my math and you were talking about back in the days when you, when you were thirties, I think it's more of 1951 than when you were in your thirties than night 2001, but that just might be my faulty math. Well, I mean, you're, you're good at a lot of things, but maybe math, you need to work on that a little bit. I'll, I'll go back and put pen to paper and make sure. Well, at least you don't even, if you, if it is correct math, maybe you just don't need to say it on the radio. I don't know. (laughs) But, but correct it, math or not, you, I, I, I do like the point that you made earlier about the, some of these principles are can have been consistent uh, in the economy, in the market over time, and there's ups and there's downs. And so by having a written plan, you can, sort, you can be prepared for the up and down of this roller coaster ride. Well, and it, it does come down to planning. And the type of planning that we want to make sure that people are doing and we help people do during their retirement is starting to pare back some of the risk that's involved with your financial accounts. You incurred greater risk in the earlier years, and it paid off. You accumulated a lot of money, potentially, because you saved it, and you accumulated it, and you had it in growth strategies. Sometimes it was even more aggressive than that, and you did well. But the, the, one of the biggest things that people forget to do or just don't do as they reach their retirement years or they're getting towards their retirement years is start to scale back that risk level. You know, to take take the, the less severe roller coaster rides. Let's make sure we smooth these things out a little bit. And this is what people, this is what we help people do. And you have to be aware that you your retirement can't be subject to these ups and downs so much because let's say you start you have to use money from your retirements maybe that's supplementing your income many 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 people use their 401k now maybe their IRA for retirement income so you've got to produce this income and let's say that you uh, have to start selling stocks to produce the income well that's still okay but it's okay when the markets are up, but maybe not so much when the markets are down because now you're taking funds from investments that have lost value. But you're still having to sell those investments. You're having to sell them because you need this income. You can't do without that. 
So now, even though the markets are down, you're still taking money out of that. So you just dig, start digging yourself into a hole deeper and deeper if you're invested too aggressively. Because not only are you taking money out of your investment accounts, but then something comes along like a market downturn like we've experienced recently, and you're seeing your money actually leaving your account in two different ways. And that money never comes back. Once you take the money out, once you sell investments to create income, those investments, that money's not coming back. So you won't be able to take advantage of the markets when they go back up because you've had to use some of this money. And so really, when it comes right down to it, it's, we're in a situation where you're doing the opposite of dollar cost averaging. During the years you were investing and accumulating money, you invested, you you bought stocks and you bought investments all along. You were putting money into it and you were buying them no matter what the cost was. At times the costs were down. At times they were up. You were doing dollar cost averaging. Well, if you're having to take money out when a market is down, you're doing reverse dollar cost averaging. It's going the other way. And it's very hard to get off that roller coaster then because it's a vicious cycle. You're squeezing the toothpaste from both ends. Exactly. Toothpaste tube. Gary, how can our listeners start that conversation with you? Kevin, to have a conversation with us about your retirement, making sure that you're not on that the, the big roller coaster at this point in time, you can give us a call, 888-371-2847, Anderson Advisor. In the next segment, we're going to talk about some things you can do for your spouse and children. Some things you can do for your spouse and kids. I'm Kevin Tharp, Elder Law and Estate Planning Attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, Financial Advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, if you're married out there, you know, and if you've been married any point in time, you know that there's a lot of things that we do for our spouses and our spouses do for us. And so this is, this is not a show that's going to be centered around giving marital advice, but it is something that from a legal standpoint, there are some things that you can do, uh, especially as you get older, some things you can do to take care of your spouse, provide for your spouse. And I think about my parents as an example uh, of this. My dad's primary concern was, well, first of all, he was convinced that he was going to go first. Now, it didn't happen that way. He actually passed away just uh, recently. My mother passed away about four years ago. But even though she had all of these health issues that were different than my father's health issues, he was a little bit older than her. He had heart issues. And so he just thought, well, I'm the man. I'm going to go first. So his primary concern was that when he goes, that he takes care of his wife. And that really became an important concern for him back in 2016, 2017, when my mother was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And shortly after that diagnosis, you could see a change in my mom's health 
you could see a change in a lot of things with my mother uh, almost overnight. But when my mother fell and hit her head, things changed overnight. And that even made my dad's concern and wish even greater. Because even though she was having those serious health issues and she was in a nursing home, my dad was still convinced that he was going to go first. So his primary wish was that I want to make sure that I take care of my spouse. That's why my dad had all this insurance, life insurance, because he was convinced he was going to go first. That's why my mom had little life insurance, because much like my dad, she said, well, your dad's going to go first. Everybody was convinced that dad was going to go first. He said, so if that, when that happens, Kevin, I want to make sure that your mother is taken care of. So here are some steps that he took in order to, here are some things that he did in order to take care of my mother. First, first thing he did is he changed from a will to a trust. And the reason he changed from a will to a trust is he realized that by doing that, he was going to protect the family from having to go through the steps called probate. That we were not going to have, there would not be any delays, there would not be any waiting before we could immediately start taking care of our mother when something happened to dad. In other words, we could just keep doing what we had already been doing before dad passed, and it would be seamless. And so he's, that was his wish. And so he, because he saw a lot of his friends and others in his social circles and in his family that passed away and didn't do, didn't, had a will instead of a trust. And they ended up going through probate and the delays and hassles that they had to go through, not to mention all of their affairs became public. People were calling all the time uh, when his brother passed away and didn't have a trust and asked me to be the executor my dad and I to be the executors. And so as soon as we got appointed by the probate court, which took months to get there, but once we got appointed as executor, immediately we started getting calls from real estate people in California, New York, Florida, about when are we going to sell my uncle's property? We got call. I even got a call from a car dealership recommending what I can do with the inheritance that I receive. Because they're presuming that I was a beneficiary, and they had some recommendations on what I could do with it. And people just go out and buy a new car when they inherit right. money, right? Right. Well, I had some recommendations on what they could do with their recommendations, but we won't get into that right now. But the point is, is that it's a public process. So my dad says, I don't want y'all to have to go through all of that. I don't want my wife and children to have to go through all of that. And so he switched from a will to a trust. And the, when he, by doing that, here's what else he did. He changed title on things. For years, my mom and dad had joint bank accounts. If dad had kept those bank accounts joint and he died first, all the money in that bank account would go to my mother regardless of her condition. Joint ownership, folks, does not take into account the condition of your surviving spouse. You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, state planning and elder law attorney, today is talking about things that would be really good for your family to know. And Kevin, with your the experience with your mom and dad, it was good that you, you had someone like yourself in the family who had a basic, a good basic understanding of the things that happened 
and it made it a lot smoother. And that's the by the knowledge actually makes things run smoother in situations such as this. And that's exactly what happened is that we were prepared for when those things happened. And so the first thing that dad did is switch from a will to a trust. And Gary, you've met my dad and you know, you met my parents uh, both before they passed. And you know that my dad is not one to change. He's not one to say, oh yeah, let's do that. Well, he was very organized. Very organized, but he, hey, he still had the receipt from the engagement ring that he gave my mother when we were moving. And I'm like, Dad, why did you keep that uh, receipt? He said, well, you know, a girl can change her mind, so I want to get my money back if she decides she didn't want to be married anymore. They were married over 60 years, so I'm not sure that, obviously, that didn't ever happen. Mom didn't change her mind. I'm sure from time to time she contemplated things like that, but uh, as all married couples do, mm-hmm. um dad's main thing was he switched from a will to a trust and it was not an easy change and you know why because dad didn't think he needed a trust he said i don't have a lot we don't have a lot of stuff trusts are just for people who have a lot of stuff and our stuff's not worth that much it'll just all go to your mother you know the folks at the bank said it's a joint ownership it's just going to go uh everything's going to go to my mother uh your mother when something happens and i said yeah dad it's going to go to her regardless of her situation So the bank may have an idea and a suggestion like joint ownership, which is a very common recommendation for married couples. He said, well, my insurance guy uh, just recommended to make mother the beneficiary of all the life insurance I have. Well, that's a standard recommendation. But what that recommendation doesn't take into account is insurance companies giving mother that money regardless of her situation. Dad, if you passed away now, all this insurance is going to mother directly and look at her condition, and it's declining. It's likely she's going to be in a nursing home one day. What happens then? He said, so how can I change this? Switch from a will to a trust. Title your banking accounts in the name of your trust. And here's what your trust says. When I pass away, leave everything to my wife. But if my wife is incapacitated, God forbid if she's in a nursing home, then everything can stay in my trust. And my wish that she will be taken care of through this trust is accomplished because we've titled assets, in this case his bank account, in coordination with his trust. So that's one thing he did for his spouse. Here's another thing he did for his spouse. He changed the beneficiary on his life insurance and his retirement account from mother and his children. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about that's one thing you can do for your children. He changed the beneficiary from mother to his trust. So if he did pass away first, all that insurance money in his IRA account goes into this trust and the trust says, hold it and trust. And you three boys, the trustees, Kenny, Kevin, Jeff, your instructions are to manage it for mom's benefit and protection. And the nursing home can't touch it when you leave an inheritance to your spouse through a trust. That trust is called a special needs trust. Your spouse potentially could be a special needs spouse. And that trust is designed to protect your spouse if they're a special needs spouse. Kevin, how we leave things for everybody else after we're gone is a very important thing. It's very important for our families. Kevin, why don't you have give people your information so they can come and talk to you about the way they need to plan? Gary, I found the best ways to reach me is first through my website, Kevin Tharp, T-H-A-R-P-E dot com or they can call me at 770-503-1022. There's diversification, and then there's diversification coming up next. 
the right way and the wrong way to diversify your income. The right way and the wrong way to diversify your investments. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Gary, what is diversification? Kevin, people in in general have heard this concept for years and years. Diversify. Diversify your portfolio. Basically, what the principle behind this is, is not to put all your eggs in one basket. Make sure you have investments spread across a, a, a large number of industries, a large number of sectors, retail, technology, energy, um, communications, any type of sector that we're involved with. You want to have your investments spread out among all of those things to keep from being really impacted if one of these areas really takes a hit in the economy. So you don't want your stock value to be reflected by what's going on in any one sector all the time because there's too much risk involved. The risk is important. This risk factor is really important, like I was saying earlier, when it comes to retirement. You don't want to be invested as you're going into your retirement years and in your retirement years, potentially, the way you were back when you were 30 and 35 years old. You probably were more aggressive back then. You had more growth-oriented investments in mind, and hopefully you did anyway because that's when you can be aggressive. When horizon, the uh, retirement horizon is way off still, you can take more chances with your investments as long as they're still good investments, good stocks, good funds, things like that. Then you're going to reap the rewards because over time, markets are going to give you a better return than anything else. And it also gives you liquidity. The problem we have, though, is I think diversification has been taken too lightly over the years because that's diversification, this type of diversification that I'm talking about right now is something I would call horizontal diversification. It's all in the market. It's all market-based investments. And one thing that we found over the years is when we have a severe economic downturn or when we have a severe market downturn, uh, the March of 2020 comes to mind. Back when the COVID pandemic started, there was a big shutdown. The markets reacted by basically shutting down as well. And you saw a 30% decline in the value of your stocks overnight. And I don't care how diversified your portfolio was then, you pretty much took about the same percentage hit that everybody else. Because the, 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 the market impact was complete. Every single thing was affected by what was going on in the economy and in the world in general at that time. So that's diversification as we have known it over the years. But I like to think of things as more of a less than horizontal diversification rather than a vertical diversification. And by vertical, I mean having investments in different types of assets that are outside the market. Because you can have diversification, certainly you can have your securities, that's stocks and mutual funds, things like that. But you also can invest in things like bank stock, bank products, annuities, uh, insurance-based products, and with different levels of liquidity, different levels of growth, but you're diversifying in different areas that can give you real true diversification because you don't have everything invested in the stock market and investment-related products that way. This is what we want to avoid when it comes to 
our portfolios in retirement, not having all our eggs in one basket. And my contention is a lot of times you still have all your eggs in one basket, even though you've got a lot of different stocks and a lot of different investments and mutual funds, things like that, covering a lot of different sectors, you're still invested in the stock market. And I do this every day for people. We invest for people every day in the market to varying levels of risk, varying risk tolerance levels that people have. But the main thing is we always are planning, and this is part of a retirement financial plan, to make sure that your investments match where you are in your retirement. And this is something that we like to make sure we do. We're talking about the right way and the wrong way to diversify your investments today on Truth and Planning, and I'm with my co-host Gary Anderson. And Gary, I think about when you say diversification, I think about what it's not, mm-hmm. and I think about uh, Lieutenant Dan investing all of Forrest Gump's money in a fruit company. Yeah, in a fruit company. Yes, he made a billions overnight, but you know he had to sell it all at the right time, I guess, as well. So that would not be diversification, is investing all of your money in a fruit company. Well, that's right, and kind of a goofy name anyway, Apple. Who thought of that? Yeah. But anyway, that's a good point. Now, Captain Dan did pretty well investing in that one stock. And that was good. You could consider that a one-off. He bought it when it was really, really cheap, and he didn't get rid of it until it made a lot of money for him. And he was speculating. Now, I will tell you this. Captain Dan was younger at that time. He was probably still in his early 30s. So even though this is a fictional character, it's a good example that oh, he was invested aggressively because he could be. He had many, many years before he needed to retire, but he invested in this thing, put a little bit of money into it, and it did that for him. And there are there are stories like that all over the place. However, when you start getting closer to retirement, I would say that you didn't want to, wouldn't want to be invested in a one-trick pony because things can go backwards. And even with companies like Apple, things have gone backwards in the past. And if your retirement is relying on one or two or three different stocks, then you're taking a big chance. So not only diversify the market investments you have, but diversify the types of investments you have outside of market investments to make sure you're covering yourself on the safe side, safer side of investing, the insurance products that help us do that. So there's a lot of different things you can do to have true diversity versus just true stock diversity. And another thing, Kevin, too, it's interesting to me, if you have a portfolio, and say you manage that portfolio, and you have 10 stocks, and you have a stock in the energy sector, you have a stock in technology, you covered all these companies, but you have 10 stocks. I had somebody tell me years ago, yes, I've got a portfolio that's very diversified. I've got a stock in every one of these sectors, every one of these businesses. And it was hard for me to explain to them that you aren't really diversified because you're still depending on each one of those 10 companies to do well and to do well all at one time. And that's never going to happen that way. Some will do well, some won't. So you're still riding the roller coaster I was talking about earlier. You're still riding that roller coaster if you think that's diversification, because that will get you in trouble every single time. And a lot of times it's an emotional thing. You've picked these stocks over the years because you like the company, you like the product, whatever it is, and that's good. But you don't want your entire 
retirement existence to be dependent on your liking Coca-Cola or your liking Pepsi, heaven forbid. Kevin, I know that is kind well, of that's an, wrong. that's an oxymoron. <laughs> Kevin liking Pepsi, that's just not going to happen. But, but that's what you don't want to be involved with. That's why when we plan for people, when we plan a retirement plan, a financial retirement plan, we have to keep these things in mind. We keep the emotions out of it, number one, and we keep true diversification in mind. Because there can be things outside of the stock market that can give you good diversification. You can have money in the stock market. You can have it in in mutual funds and ETFs and things like that. But let's look at other different possibilities to give you true safety when it comes to market downturns. Because the last thing you want to happen in your retirement is have to start taking money out, like I was talking about before, for income, selling stocks, when stocks are obviously down, you're still having to sell stocks to create this income. But if you have too much risk involved, then it's hurting you, like you had said, Kevin, from two different directions. You're squeezing the tube of toothpaste from both ends, and you're not going to get good results from that. And your retirement and your, your lifestyle will suffer because of that. Let's give you true diversification. Gary, how can our listeners talk to you about that true diversification. Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. In the next segment, we're going to talk about some things you can do to help your parents. things you can do for your parents. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, Mother's Day, Father's Day, holiday, and other holidays are days that we sort of focus on our parents and things that show them the appreciation for all the things that they've done for us over the years. And that's good. But I always remember my dad saying that to me, the best Father's Day gift is what you do 364 days Mm-hmm. the other days. And that really stuck with me because there's a lot of things that our parents do for us over the years. Many of you listeners have probably heard the commercials about how I talk about our mothers raising us, uh, you know, with a strong hand and a tender heart and our fathers uh, raising us uh, and showing us right from wrong and uh, raising us in a way that, you know, create a legacy for us. Uh, I think about my parents and the way that they raised my brothers and I. Um, and a lot of that, the way they raised us, I emulate in raising my daughter and my child. They weren't perfect parents. Uh, no one is. Uh, there was no, There are no perfect parents. But I think one of the things that uh, I'd like to talk about today are some things that you can do for your parents, especially as they get older. Because I see this every day in my practice. I see this every day in my personal life when my parents were alive. I see this with my mother and father-in-law. Things are changing. I heard Missy describe it the other day as their processors are not working efficiently as the way they used to. Uh, My father-in-law was able to pack for a two-week trip, and he could do it in a Kroger sack. Uh, And now it's 
not as easy for him mm-hmm. to do things like that. I know I see in my own life things that I used to, I used to be able to mow my grass and get done in half a Saturday and I'd be on the golf course by four o'clock. Uh, now mm, it's a two day, at least a two day affair to, to try play to golf. Do, uh, no, <laughs> no, it's a two day affair to cut the grass. <laughs> uh, it's still a half a day affair to, to play golf, but that has nothing to do with how I play golf. That's just how crowded it is on the golf course. But it, it just takes me longer to do things than it did 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so here's some things that if you're a, if you're a child or a grandchild out there and you're helping or assisting your parents, uh, as they go through uh, the rest of their life, as they go through this aging process, here's some things that I think you can do to help them. Number one uh, thing I think you can do to help your parents or grandparents is make sure they keep ownership. I think that's one of the most important concepts to grasp because as we see things change with our parents and our grandparents, we want to help. And so we seek out advice, and so many people in so many different industries, including attorneys, including elder law attorneys, seem to fall back on this time tradition advice of if you want to, you need to get everything out of mom and dad's name. Need to get it out of their name, you need to put it in your name. I hear this a lot with people when it comes to their parents and helping them manage their bank account. Just in the last few months, if I had a dollar for every time I heard somebody say, well, I'm on, you know, my son or daughter's on my bank account or I'm on my parents' bank account, typically because they're told by the bank that's how you need to get access. That's just the way you do it. People are told all the time that they need to get everything out of their name and get it in their children's names or get their children's names on it. I hear all the time people, uh, even people tell me, even attorneys say, you need, if you want to protect your home, in case you go into a nursing home, you got to get everything out of your name and put it in your children's name. I even hear a few people tell me that they have met with elder law attorneys in this area of North Georgia, and those elder law attorneys are recommending irrevocable trust, especially to put your home in there. It's usually so we can talk about getting veteran benefits or Medicaid uh, benefits. you got to put things in an irrevocable trust. Well, Gary, if you do either one of those, if you give up ownership or you share ownership of your assets, there are penalties. There are negative consequences for doing that. You're listening to Truth and Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors, and Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney. My co-host today is talking about things you can do for your parents. And Kevin, our parents did a lot of things for us over the years. Sometimes, whether we even knew it or not, they were always doing things for us. We as the children were typically the focus of what our parents did. So they did a lot of things for us, but there comes a time when it's okay to reciprocate and i think this is a good opportunity it, it the roles change it is there i remember having conversations with my dad that i thought when i hung up i told missy later i said oh my gosh this is a conversation i had with my dad when i was in high school or early in college and so how the roles reverse and so one thing i found universally true is we can help our parents in such a tremendous way by making sure they keep ownership 
don't follow the advice that they may be getting or they may be hearing. And they may also be hearing it from their friends. Oh, we went to the bank and we put Junior's name on our bank accounts because that's what the banker told us to do. Or our financial advisor said, just make a... uh, Take everything and put everything in your kids' names. Or we went to a seminar webinar, and this person at the webinar said, we need to put our home in an irrevocable trust so that we can get veteran benefits or Medicaid benefits. Well, Gary, if you give up ownership, there are penalties. There are penalties ranging from changing your property taxes to changing your income taxes, as well as future tax consequences for your children, especially if you give up ownership of your home. There are uh, loss of asset protection penalties. If I put my daughter's name on my bank account or my house and assuming my daughter's much older and she's married and her husband files for divorce, can her creditors get my assets? Yes, because I've given up ownership. The very thing I'm trying to protect, like my home, if I go into a nursing home and trying to get government benefits to help pay for that expensive nursing home care, I won't be able to get them. I've disqualified myself if I give up ownership. Uh, Here's another negative of giving up ownership. If I give up ownership over my stuff, I lose access. I can't use what I don't own. I can't spend the money in your bank account. I'd love to. I'd love to treat my family to a steak dinner thanks to Gary. But I have no access to Gary's bank account or his credit cards. And if I do, that's fraud, and it'll only be temporary. So if you give up ownership, you don't have any access to what you don't own. And that's important, and that's the second thing I would tell you you could do to help your parents, is make sure of access. Make sure your parents can have access to their stuff, but also make sure that your parents set things up so you can have access at the very time you need to help them. So how can you do that? How can you help your parents get access and give you access without them giving up ownership? Well, Gary, have a conversation with an attorney about setting up a revocable living trust. Because a revocable living trust is the type of trust where mom and dad keep ownership. Mom and dad are the owners, mom and dad are the trustees, and mom and dad can name you kids as the co-trustees or backup trustees to step in and help them manage things when they get to a point they can no longer manage things. And so they kept ownership, they still have access to their stuff, and they've now provided you with access as well. And I found those are two things you can do to help your parents And Gary, we're here to help. That's what we do every day for our clients. That's what we help our our clients and their families. So we can help your parents by starting that conversation. Call our office. If you're a radio listener, it's a complimentary consultation. Contact our office or go through my website, kevintharp.com. Kevin, for people listening now, I think a lot of people might view this as a very, very good opportunity to do something for their parents. Why don't you give them your information? Here again, my website is kevintharp, T-H-A-R-P-E dot com, or they can call my phone number 770-503-1022.
Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investment involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstance. No statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson nor Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show. 